Hi everyone, welcome back to the Mad Bullet Step 2 and 3 podcast. In today's episode, we cover the topic of splenic laceration and rupture found under the gastrointestinal section at medbullets.com. Let's begin with a clinical snapshot. A 33-year-old man is brought to a trauma center after a motor vehicle accident. He reports a lot of pain in his chest and his abdomen. Physical exam demonstrates multiple rib fractures on the left side. His vitals demonstrate that he is hypotensive even after several liters of crystalloid fluids. A fast exam demonstrates free fluid in the perisplenic space. He is taken urgently into the operating room for an exploratory laparotomy. Let's continue with an introduction to splenic laceration and rupture. As a general overview, remember that splenic injury can result from trauma or non-traumatic causes. Treatment is usually surgical in a hemodynamically unstable patient. In terms of the epidemiology, risk factors include diseases causing splenomegaly. These may include infectious mononucleosis, dengue fever, leukemia or lymphoma, malaria, and malignancy. Other risk factors include penetrating trauma, blunt trauma, and left-sided rib fractures. In terms of the function of the spleen, Remember that it helps to fight infection by producing antibodies and other key immune mediators. It recycles old red blood cells, and it stores platelets and white blood cells. Moving on to the presentation, a patient's history may include trauma. Common symptoms may include left upper quadrant pain, left shoulder pain, which is referred to as Kerr sign, and diffuse abdominal pain. On exam, one may note abdominal bruising, tachycardia, hypotension, and shock, and provocative tests include peritoneal signs, which may demonstrate guarding and rigidity. In terms of further imaging, an abdominal ultrasound, specifically a FAST exam or a focused abdominal sonography for trauma exam, is indicated at bedside for all patients. Specific findings may include intra-abdominal free fluid. A CT of the abdomen is indicated in hemodynamically stable patients with the history of blunt abdominal trauma. This may help to rule out splenic injury. Specific findings may include splenic bleeding, splenic injury, and a pseudoaneurysm. In terms of further studies, serum labs may demonstrate anemia and leukocytosis. In terms of the differential, make sure to think about splenic abscess, with key distinguishing factors being that this will typically present in immunocompromised patients and IV drug users, and it may present with a fever, leukocytosis, and left upper quadrant pain. In terms of treatment, medical options include close monitoring and serial abdominal exams. This is indicated in hemodynamically stable patients. Surgical options include exploratory laparotomy with a possible splenectomy. This is indicated in hemodynamically unstable patients and in a complete rupture. Another option is an endovascular embolization. This is indicated in hemodynamically stable patients with incomplete ruptures. And lastly, Complications related to splenic laceration and rupture include infection, acute respiratory distress syndrome, and pancreatitis. Now that we've discussed the major points relating to splenic laceration and rupture, let's walk through some questions to apply what we've learned and get a sense of how the topic might be tested. For the first question, consider the following clinical scenario. A 26-year-old man with no significant past medical history presents to the ED following a motor vehicle accident. Vital signs on presentation are a temperature of 99 degrees, 
blood pressure of 100 over 60, heart rate of 125, and respiratory rate of 16, with an oxygen saturation of 98% on room air. He complains of extreme abdominal pain worse in the left upper quadrant, which has worsened over the past 30 minutes. Exam demonstrates abdominal wall rigidity, involuntary guarding, and tenderness on light percussion. Bedside sonography demonstrates evidence for hemoperitoneum. Despite administering more intravenous fluids, repeat vitals are a temperature of 98.9, blood pressure of 82 over 50, heart rate of 180, respiratory rate of 20, and an oxygen saturation of 97% on room air. Which of the following is the best next step in management? And the answer choices are, choice one, normal saline bolus and re-evaluation of hemodynamics after the infusion. Choice two, CT abdomen and pelvis. Choice three, morphine. Choice four, abdominal plain film. Or choice five, exploratory laparotomy. The best answer to this question is, choice five, exploratory laparotomy. The patient is presenting with acute abdominal pain following a motor vehicle accident. Given that he has left upper quadrant pain after blunt trauma, he likely suffered a splenic laceration or rupture. Evidence of internal bleeding and hemodynamic instability is present, and exploratory laparotomy is indicated. The acute abdomen typically presents with severe pain in the acute setting. Common causes include appendicitis, small bowel obstruction, blunt trauma resulting in solid organ damage such as liver, spleen, or pancreatic damage, and mesenteric vascular occlusion. On exam, abdominal wall rigidity, rebound tenderness, and diminished bowel sounds are classically seen. Focused abdominal sonography and trauma or fast exam can be performed to help triage stable patients. Hemodynamic instability is an indication for emergent laparotomy. The publication by Cartwright and Knudsen discusses the evaluation of acute abdominal pain in adults and presents algorithms based on the location of pain and the differential for abdominal pain in women of childbearing age and the elderly. Additionally, they recommend different imaging studies depending on the location of pain. The publication by Dylan et al. reports the usefulness of ultrasound in the confirmation or rejection of clinical diagnoses in the acute abdomen. Ultrasound had significant therapeutic impact in many instances, changing management from either surgical to medical or vice versa. They emphasize that the ease of the procedure and relatively low cost compared to CT makes ultrasound an invaluable tool for clinicians in the emergent setting. Let's also discuss why the other choices are incorrect. Choice 1. Fluid resuscitation is certainly important in this situation, but given the evidence of hemoperitoneum and new onset hemodynamic instability, emergent operative intervention is the priority. Choice 2. CT abdomen is indicated for stable patients, but this patient is unstable and requires surgical intervention. Choice 3. Morphine alone is not sufficient for this life-threatening condition. Choice 4. Abdominal plain film can be useful in certain instances to evaluate for free air under the diaphragm, but the patient has already been deemed to be unstable and requires intervention, not diagnosis. For the second question, consider the following clinical scenario. A 25-year-old man presents to the emergency department for a fever and abdominal pain. The patient states that his pain has been worsening over the past week in the setting of a fever. He has a past medical history of IV drug use and multiple admissions for septic shock. 
his temperature is 102 degrees Fahrenheit, or 38.9 degrees Celsius. Blood pressure is 94 over 54. Pulse is 133 beats per minute. Respirations are 22 breaths per minute. And oxygen saturation is 100% on room air. Physical exam is notable for a murmur over the left upper sternal border. Abdominal exam reveals left upper quadrant tenderness. Laboratory values are ordered and demonstrate a hemoglobin of 15, hematocrit of 44%, leukocyte count of 16,700, and platelet count of 299,000. Which of the following is the most likely diagnosis? And the answer choices are Choice 1, appendicitis. Choice 2, diverticulitis. Choice 3, hepatic abscess. Choice 4, mesenteric ischemia. Or choice 5, splenic abscess. The best answer to this question is Choice 5, splenic abscess. This patient is presenting with a history of IV drug use, a fever, and a murmur concerning for bacterial endocarditis, and left upper quadrant tenderness, suggesting a diagnosis of a splenic abscess. A splenic abscess is a possible yet rare complication of sepsis. It is more common in patients who are immunosuppressed or who use IV drugs. IV drug use inoculates bacteria, most commonly staphylococcal or streptococcal species, into the bloodstream, potentially causing sepsis. Bacteremia can lead to infections on the heart valves and infection in the spleen. Given the pathophysiology, bacterial endocarditis and a splenic abscess can commonly be seen together, despite a splenic abscess being an uncommon complication. A splenic abscess presents with a fever, a leukocytosis, and left upper quadrant tenderness. Evaluation of this condition should include a CT scan and drainage of the abscess versus a splenectomy in order to treat and remove the underlying infection. Let's also discuss why the other choices are incorrect. Choice 1. Appendicitis would present with the fever, leukocytosis, and periumbilical abdominal pain that migrates to the right lower quadrant. There would be tenderness in the right lower quadrant and a positive rosting sign. Choice 2. Diverticulitis would present in a patient with a history of diverticulosis with left lower quadrant abdominal pain and tenderness, a fever, and a leukocytosis. Choice 3. Hepatic abscess would be more likely to present with right upper quadrant tenderness than left upper quadrant tenderness, but would otherwise present similarly. Choice 4. Mesenteric ischemia would present with diffuse abdominal pain with pain out of proportion to the exam. Sudden severe abdominal pain and elevated lactate make this diagnosis more likely with a generally non-focal exam. Finally, a bullet summary. Splenic abscess presents in IV drug users and immunocompromised patients with a fever, leukocytosis, and left upper quadrant abdominal tenderness with the high association with bacterial endocarditis. That's all for this review about splenic laceration and rupture. We hope that was helpful. This is the MedBullet Step 2 and 3 podcast, a daily audio review session for MedBullets, the free learning and collaboration community for medical student education. As a reminder, you can follow along with these podcast episodes by reviewing the topics directly on MedBullets.com. You can listen to these episodes on the MedBullets website or phone app while reading through the topic. If the MedBullets podcast has been valuable to you, we'd be thrilled if you consider leaving us a five-star rating and writing us a review on Apple Podcasts. It will help us spread the word 
and increase our discoverability tremendously. Thanks for tuning in. We'll see you all tomorrow, right here, on the MedBullet Step 2 and 3 podcast.